Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, this is A History of Europe, Key Battles podcast. Today we begin to talk about the Siege of Vienna of 1683. The city of Vienna is the capital and most populous city of Austria, with just under 2 million inhabitants of the country's total population of about 9 million. Known as the City of Music, it is well known for having played a pivotal role as a leading European music centre from the age of Viennese classicism through the early part of the 20th century. The historic centre of Vienna is rich in architecture, including Baroque palaces and gardens, and the late 19th century Ringstrasse, lined with grand buildings, monuments and parks. The historic roots of Austria can be traced back to Ostmark, the eastern frontier realm of Emperor Charlemagne, founded in 803 AD. In German, Österreich, then Latinized into Austria, an outpost of Roman Catholic Christendom and of the new Holy Roman Empire. For centuries, writes Robert Bidelow and Ian Jeffries, the overriding mission of Ostmark was to stand guard over the Danubian gateway into Christendom and ward off barbarian or infidel incursions from the east. Austria as a country was founded only in 1918, at the end of the First World War, so its history is not straightforwardly national, rather all tied up with the Habsburg monarchy, in whose realms the Germans were only one ethnic group among many. After the First World War, there was strong movement for union with Germany, the so-called Anschluss, which was fulfilled in 1938, but with horrific consequences. After 1945, a newly independent Austria arose, which by the latter part of the 20th century was one of the most prosperous countries in the world. At its far western edge is the province of Vorarlberg, which, next to Lake Constance and the Rhine, is far more integrated into German and Swiss transport networks than to the Austrian. To its east is Tyrol, an alpine region with a distinct identity, and the towns of Innsbruck, Trento and Bolzano. Following the river Drava downstream from East Tyrol, one reaches Austria's most southern region, Carinthia, which is also alpine and borders Italy and Slovenia. To the northwest of Carinthia is the region of Salzburg. 
The city of Salzburg today, most famous as the birthplace of Mozart, is credited with the first appearance of the Baroque style north of the Alps in the early 17th century. Under the patronage of a series of cultured archbishops, it became known as the German Rome. To the east of Salzburg lies Styria, where the largest city is Graz, and where are located the rivers Enns, Mur and Raab, tributaries of the Danube. The Duchy of Styria goes back to the year 1180, when it separated from the Duchy of Corinthia. In the northeast of Austria, separated by the river Enns, are Upper Austria and Lower Austria, through which the Danube flows. Vienna, its own administrative region in Lower Austria, lies close to the borders of Slovakia and Hungary. In the years following the Thirty Years' War, covered by the podcast recently, the Austrian Habsburgs, based in Vienna, appeared in many ways weakened. The Peace of Westphalia exposed their position in Germany as nothing more than the nominal leadership of a loose federation. The imperial project of Ferdinand II had been destroyed, less by the German princes, more by the intervention in the war by France and Sweden. The various constituent parts of the Holy Roman Empire lack the centralisation and efficiency that began to characterise other European great powers of the period, in particular France. Each territory retained a separate identity, were governed by their own elites, with a large degree of independence. A few of the princes were becoming too rich and powerful to be confined within the archaic structure of the empire. For example, since his accession in 1640, Frederick William of Brandenburg began a long process of territorial expansion and integration. Equally significant was the growth of Saxony, Bavaria and Hanover, each with a population of about one and a half million. The lesser princes likewise loosened ties with the empire by forming into regional groups such as the League of the Rhine, which treated independently with foreign powers. The imperial diet, or parliament, continued to meet, and in 1663 even turned into a permanent assembly at Regensburg, but it was pretty ineffective and riven by political differences. Nevertheless, the position of the Habsburgs ended up stronger after the war in Austria and Bohemia, and so they were able to use these power bases to intervene, sometimes forcefully in Western and Central European affairs, notably in their central functions of leadership in war and dispensation of justice. The German princes would also tend to rally round the imperial crown if faced with external challenges. When Emperor Leopold I ascended to the imperial throne in June 1658, the economic and demographic consequences of the Thirty Years' War were still evident in Central Europe. High taxation and expulsion of industrious Protestants, plagues and rural uprisings had left the Austrian duchies economically depressed. Hungary remained a frontier province, scarred by intermittent conflict between Christians and Turks, 
and in a constant state of emergency. In Bohemia and Silesia, epidemics and emigration had resulted in a substantial decline of population. The financial challenges were made worse by what's known as the Great European Price Revolution, a period of waves of high inflation from the late 15th century to the first half of the 17th century, stimulated in part by the introduction of bullion from the Americas. Nevertheless, the Habsburg realm had good potential. Upper and Lower Austria, Styria, Bohemia and Moravia were all rich areas for mixed farming. The great landholders there attracted new colonists to the land and boosted agricultural production using the labour of peasants. Hungary, in spite of the instability, was home to large numbers of cattle driven in large herds up the Danube through Vienna on their way to Germany. In Upper Hungary, today Slovakia, in Tyrol, there were profitable silver mines, and Styria was an important source of iron for both agricultural tools and weapons. Following the examples of the French and other governments, Empress Ferdinand III and Leopold I used state resources to stimulate industry and commerce. Leopold attracted Italian merchants to Vienna and founded a Council of Commerce through which state aid was channelled into selected sectors of the economy. The ports of Hamburg and Bremen on the North Sea were thriving. Most of the major Baltic ports, however, were controlled after 1648 by Sweden, which exacted tolls and other duties. The Hanseatic League, which had once been the mainstay of Baltic commerce, was all but inactive, its governing Diet meeting for the last time in 1669. The port of Danzig, however, continued to enjoy prosperity, as it continued to export large quantities of Polish grain to other parts of Europe. Economic recovery after 1648 owed much to the initiatives of individual German princes, who were motivated to enhance urban and court life. The prestige of a ruler depended not just on military success, but on patronage of high culture, most of which came to be displayed in capital cities and princely courts. Three centres in particular were influential in setting trends. Italy, Vienna and Versailles, the immense palace expanded by Louis XIV in the 1670s. Each prince chose their own mix of influences, resulting in an interesting collection of styles, broadly termed Baroque, which today is a distinctive feature of the former Habsburg lands. The Counts of Schönborn from around Mainz and Bamberg left an outstanding architectural legacy, including the residence of Würzburg, now a UNESCO World Heritage Site, built by the Bavarian architect Balthasar Neumann. The electors of Bavaria, Ferdinand, who ruled 1651 to 1679, and Maximilian II, 1679 to 1726, created a sumptuous court at Munich, as well as palaces nearby at and Schleisheim. Prague too was extended after 1648, where the Italian style became popular. Even though the imperial court no longer resided there, noble and ecclesiastical patrons built on a grand scale, including the Jesuit College and the Chernin Palace, built by Francesco Carati. 
In Salzburg, Italian architects also led the building of such masterpieces as the cathedral and the archbishop's summer residence, Hellebrunn. And in Vienna, Leopold extended his royal palace, the Hofburg, adding what is now called the Leopoldine Wing. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere in Europe, music played an important role in the ceremonial occasions of both court and church. In particular in Austria, music became the favourite pastime of the ruling house. Royal patronage eventually made Vienna the musical centre of Europe, the source of much of the greatest music of the Western tradition. It was a suitable medium for a court which ruled so many nations with such a diversity of languages. Of all the Habsburgs who dabbled in musical composition, Leopold was the most talented, writing in his time an impressive collection of oratorios, requiem masses, arias and intermezzos. For all its achievements, the culture of the Habsburgs was one anchored in superstition and confessional intolerance. Writes John Spielman in his biography of Leopold I, Quote, the Habsburgs had grown accustomed to taking their Catholicism for granted. They sincerely saw in the Roman faith the embodiment of a higher citizenship of Christendom, which justified their place in the world and have purpose and meaning to the complex and diverse interlocking parts of the dynastic enterprise. End quote. One notable characteristic was the persistence in the belief in magic and alchemy. And it was also during this period that various Christian cults received their greatest developments, such as the cult of the Eucharist or the cult of the Virgin Mary. Habsburg rulers strived hard to achieve religious conformity, which went surprisingly well in Austria and Bohemia, though less well in Hungary. As mentioned, a new emperor ascended to the throne in 1658, Leopold I. It had been assumed that his elder brother Ferdinand would assume the title, but he died unexpectedly at the age of 20 in July 1654. In 1655, Archduke Leopold became King of Hungary. The next year, King of Bohemia, but born in 1640, was considered too young to assume the imperial throne. 
His father, Ferdinand III's death in April 1657, initiated a 15-month interregnum. Despite the existence of a number of other candidates, Leopold was the only realistic prospect, so was crowned Holy Roman Emperor a few days after his 18th birthday. In spite of his long reign of over 46 years until May 1705, Leopold's character has remained obscure. John Spillman suggests a possible reason for the lack of historic interest in him may reflect his rather bland temperament and his tendency for allowing circumstances to produce decisions for him. In contrast to his great long-time rival, Louis XIV of France, who is known for his more forceful personality, Leopold assumed a modest role. His reign produced no great administrative revolutions. Development resulted from slow adjustment to circumstances, well-meaning reforms half-heartedly performed. In many ways, his modesty, prudence and piety fitted in well with the traditional and deeply conservative aristocratic society. He was able to attract talented people and was skilled at managing different factions and personalities. When King Philip IV of Spain died in 1665, Leopold became undisputed head of the family, marking a gradual shift of power from Madrid to Vienna in the 17th century. After the death of the rest of his close male relatives, the Habsburg dynasty depended solely on the sickly Charles II of Spain and on Leopold, who was in his twenties. The year after Philip's death, Leopold married Margaret Theresa of Spain, who was both his niece and his first cousin. The Austrian Habsburgs had to deal with two main adversaries, France and the Ottoman Empire. The French were increasingly confident under the rule of their young and ambitious king, Louis XIV. In the Thirty Years' War, they advertised the role as defender of the rights of the German princes against imperial oppression. But after 1659 and the Peace of the Pyrenees agreed with Spain, it was now France who looked the greater threat, especially to those along the French imperial border. In 1667, in the War of Devolution, France invaded parts of the Spanish Netherlands and French Comte. Louis also claimed ownership of other territories on his northeastern border. Leopold was cautious not to commit too many resources on his western flank, always cautious of the threat of the Turks from the east. The French consistently tried to stir up Ottoman aggression against the Habsburgs, for example coordinating Turkish attacks into Hungary with French moves towards the Rhine. And French agents in Constantinople actively urged the Ottoman leadership to give priority to its western front with the Habsburgs, rather than its conflicts elsewhere. In fact, French envoys throughout Europe urged local rulers not to provide support for the Austrians in the defence against the Turks. At least fortunately for Leopold, mutual distrust between his two greatest enemies, the French and the Ottomans, prevented their ever reaching a complete accord on a joint operation against the Empire. The Habsburg court was split into two parts. The so-called Westerners, associated with the Spanish faction, shared the view that France must be dealt with before the Turks. 
Their opposites were the Easterners, who strongly supported the Austrian, Bohemian and Hungarian nobility, and believed that the Turks were the main threat. For them, the military and political problems of the East always took priority. The years 1668 to 1673 were difficult personally for Leopold. Margareta bore him two sons who died in infancy, although her daughter, Maria Antonia, survived. Early in 1670, Leopold himself suffered a severe illness that placed the dynasty in grave danger of extension. He survived the illness, but his wife died in 1673. The apparent fragility of the House of Austria caused intense political dangers. France took the opportunity to increase its influence among the German princes, to whom it could now hold out the tempting prospect of dismembering Austrian Habsburg territories. In April 1670, Louis occupied the Duchy of Lorraine. Leopold offered asylum to its Duke, Charles of Lorraine, but was not able to send troops to intervene as they were tied down in the east by the threat of rebellion in Hungary. Encouraged by the half-hearted Austrian response to aggression on its western front, Louis invaded the Netherlands in 1672. The Elector of Brandenburg was the first to break with France and support the Dutch, with whom he had strong family and religious ties. Having failed to stir up the Protestant princes of Germany, he turned to Vienna. The court of Leopold, increasingly concerned about French ambitions, agreed to an alliance in defence of the empire. They sent their chief commander, Raimondo Mantecucoli, with a small force to the Rhine, in the hope they would divert the French. But Louis realised it was just a bluff. The emperor was only able to send a sizable army into the region after August 1673, when he reached a treaty with Spain, who offered the required subsidies. The Franco-Dutch War ended in 1679, and while Louis was dissatisfied with the result, he had still been able to make significant gains. In the Peace of Nijmegen of that year, France kept the southern Spanish Netherlands fortresses and the region of Franche Comte. Charles, Duke of Lorraine, was offered the restoration of his territories, but under such humiliating conditions that he declined, and the duchy was left in French hands. The lack of Austrian action in the face of French aggression had often been criticised, but argues Joachim Whaley in Volume 2 of Germany and the Holy Roman Empire, quote, Leopold and his advisers were simply making realistic choices in the face of stark necessities. As ever, Leopold was obliged to juggle several roles. His priority in the 1670s was to deal with Hungary and so consolidate Austrian territories generally, end quote. Next week, we turn specifically to some of those eastern issues faced by Leopold, and specifically the beginning of the war between the Austrians and the Turks. Thank you for listening to a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. If you are listening to this when it's just coming out, I hope you have, if this is your thing, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We all deserve a break after a difficult year. It's always great to hear feedback, so you can write to me directly, Carl, that's with a C, at historyeurope.net, or on the Facebook group of the History of Europe Key Battles podcast. 
And naturally, I'm always appreciative of good feedback on iTunes or any podcast reviewer. The music you've been listening to is the Christmas concert by the Italian Baroque composer Arcangelo Corelli. I hope you enjoy.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.